and he's already been telling me a little bit about it. And I, he, listen, you can't bring everybody. We say it down south, everybody. 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 Y'all. Y'all. Bring, bring all y'all. All, all y'alls. All right. How many is that? That's all. That's everybody. All y'alls. All y'alls people. Y'all here. That's all right. I'm gonna get. I'm, okay. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get off the deep end here. But <laughs> I'm watching. Hallelujah. This morning, we're gonna continue a series. Go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 27. We won't get there in a minute, but I've been preaching a series called Surviving Christianity. And, 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 and the thought behind this series when I started it was there's some basic things that we as a church have to do to survive. Amen? Anybody ever been, anybody ever been in a season where you just felt like you were surviving? Like, you never, you just, I don't know what's going on. I'm just surviving. I'm surviving. I'm doing my best to keep my head afloat. I feel like I'm lost in the middle of the ocean, and I don't have a life jacket. You know, I'm just doing my best just to keep my head above water and keep breathing and keep from drowning. Anybody ever been there? Hey, hallelujah. I've been there too. Anybody ever been there in your Christian faith? Where you just feel like, like you're like, I, I'm saved. I know, I, wanna, I know I'm going to heaven. But I keep struggling with issues. I keep struggling with all of the, the issues of the past. I keep struggling with, um, you know, I, I'm saved. And a lot of times when we get saved, we think that automatically all of your problems end, right? Anybody ever had that thought? Like, that's, that's kind of what I thought. And, and, and after, you know, years of fighting through things, I'm going, God, why am I still struggling with whatever it is? Why do I still struggle? Why do we still struggle? And that's the question we're going to talk about. Anybody ever been in church and heard somebody say, anybody ever invite somebody to church and say, I don't want to go to church. I'm not going to go to church because they're full of a bunch of hypocrites. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Amen. They're just full of a bunch of hypocrites. And me, I'm going like, hallelujah, we've got a church full of hypocrites. Praise God, I love it. Anyways, what does the word hypocrite mean, though? What does the, what the, what the word hypocrite mean? So this is what the word hypocrite means in the Bible. It, it comes from the term Hippocrates. And it's a Greek word. And it literally means the pretender. The pretender. And it's, it's a Greek theatrical term. That, it's a Greek theatrical term that is used for people who wear masks in plays to be able to play multiple parts. The pretender. I don't know about you, but in my life, I've had a season, I've had a time where I was pretending. I had a season where I could act one way in church, and when I went home, I was a completely different person. I've had a season where, anybody ever heard, anybody ever heard of, I was just thinking about this, anybody ever heard the description of the difference between men and women in their brains? Men have compartments. Okay? And they have this little box called the nothing box. And when a woman asks us what we're thinking about, and we say nothing, and they're like, that can't be. Right? But that's how I was in my life. I had, I had compartments. I had, okay, this is my job compartment. This is my church compartment. This is my compartment at home. This is my compartment. You know, and, 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 I, and then I can, I, I, I mean, I can turn it on. I can turn it off. I can be the best Christian you've ever seen when I was in church. And then as soon as I got home, 
coolest sinner you've ever seen in your entire life. Because I had apartments. I wore a mask. Because I didn't think that my issues, I didn't think, I thought the church, you know, if, if the church knew who I was, they'd throw me out and they'd never let me come back. If the church knew who I was, they would say, there's no way you can be a man of God. If the church knew who I was, there's no way they would let me play on the worship team. If the church knew who I was, there's no way they'd ever see potential in me. Anybody ever been there? The, the, but the problem is with that is that I wore masks. I was a pretender. I pretended to be one way when really on the inside I was screaming out for something completely different. How often in our lives have we as Christians felt like we were playing the pretender? You've got to come to church and you've got to have your act together. Because if you don't, if somebody ever finds out you had a moment of weakness, if somebody ever found out that, that, that you weren't this holy, Christ-filled, Bible-believing spirit, if somebody ever found out that secretly on the inside you doubted. If anybody ever found out that, only, that, that in your private time you cried out and said, God, I, I don't even know if you're real. I go to church, but I don't even know if you're real. I don't know. Has anybody else been there? Or is that just me? Crying out. And you come to church and you put your act all together. You come to church and you say, I've got it all together. Don't let anybody see my tender areas. Don't let anybody see the areas that I struggle with because they're going to judge me. Well, friend, I'm here to tell you today we are going to identify what is the cause of the pretender this morning and we're going to allow God to kill it in us forever. So at this time, the altars are open. I believe that God is going to move in such a sovereign way this morning that when it hits your spirit, these altars are open. I'm going to keep preaching, but these altars are open. Genesis 27, verses 18 through 26. Says this, when he came to his father, this is talking about Isaac. He said, My father, or I'm sorry, this is Jacob talking to Isaac. When he came to his father, he said, My father, and he answered, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, Because the Lord your God made it happen for me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? So Jacob came closer to his father Isaac. When he touched him, he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Again he asked, 
Are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Then he said, bring it closer to me and let me eat some of my son's game so that I can bless you. Jacob brought it closer to him and he ate. And he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, please come closer and kiss me, my son. Jacob was a product of a malfunctioning home. Jacob and Esau was a product of a malfunctioning home. You say, oh, how do you know that? You're talking about Abraham and Isaac, the patriarchs of the faith. And I'm going to tell you they were still just as messed up as you and I are. <laughs> and that's, a, that, that's a word from God right there, that you can be a patriarch of the faith and still be just as messed up as, they, as, as we are today, right? Here's what happened. Genesis 26, verse 7. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of this place will kill me on account of Rebecca, for she is a beautiful woman. Now, I'm going to read the scripture to you about Genesis 12. And it says, Genesis 12, 11 through 13. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, look, you are a beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will kill you because they want you. Now, we have two different stories from two different men, correction, three different stories from three different generations talking about a deceiving spirit being on a family. The last scripture I read you was about Abraham. The middle one was about Isaac. But if we didn't know any better, you could, you could interchange those stories. All it looked like, all they did is they took out one name and put it, they, out of, for, for Isaac's story, they took out the name Egyptians and put in Philistines. They took out the name Sarah and put in Rebecca. And they could see that Jacob was a product of a malfunctioning home because he grew up witnessing his father be deceiving, not taking pride, not saying God is going to provide for us. God is going to take care of our needs. No, he said, I have to take it upon myself to take care of my family. Not trust in God. Now, I'm not saying that a man does not need to take care of his family. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they had a deceiving spirit. They had something that rested over them that it was okay. There was something that said it was okay for Jacob to steal his brother's birthright. There was something in the family that said it's okay for Jacob to, to pretend to be his brother because I need that blessing. Because my family doesn't have enough to take care of me. My father can't take care of me. You see, he was a product of a malfunctioning home. Deception is a constant thing in the family. Abraham deceives the Egyptians. Isaac deceives the Philistine. Jacob takes his brother's birthright. How often did Jacob and Esau see their father being deceptive? How often did they see their father scheming? Because if it happened once in public, I'll tell you it happened a whole lot more in private. Anybody else can say amen to that? What we do, what was communicated to them is okay. What was communicated to them as acceptable behavior. Now, 
My son, I love my son. He is crazy, but I love him. But over the last couple of years, I, I have a problem when he drives me up a wall, right? I get angry and I yell at him. And I mean, I can be mean. I was in the army for 10 and a half years. I know how to destroy somebody with my words. And I'm not even saying using strong language. I'm just saying I can do it. But every time I've had to do that, I say, I got to bring him in. And I, say, I say, son, I'm sorry. I'm, I was wrong. How many of us do that? Say, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. I'm imperfect. We all. Now, here's the reason that I was upset. And I'm sorry I behaved that way. Now, we've, I've been doing this for a couple years now with him. And I said, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The other day we were in the mall, and he, again, he was driving me up the wall. Okay? As kids do, you know, running around just being a kid. Being a nine-year-old AED little boy, you know what I mean? Just being a kid. And I was like, Jackson, you don't stop it. Like, I'm about to lose my mind here. And he's like, okay. And he calmed down. And he came, but the thing is, he came to me afterwards and he said, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was being a jerk, is, is how was what he said. I'm sorry I was being a jerk, Dad. And I'm like, but you know what? The only reason he was able to do that is because of the behavior that was modeled for him. Hallelujah. What behaviors are we modeling in front of our children? Hallelujah. What behaviors are we modeling in front of our grandchildren? Because we sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, it, 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 it was a shock to my pride to be able to have to apologize to my son. Right? I'm, I'm right or wrong. That's, that's the end of it. That's the military mindset, right? Let's see. What are we modeling? What was modeled for Jacob? Was he, are, are we, do we have malfunctioning homes? Or do we have functioning homes? I'm not saying perfect homes. Lord, Lord knows, if I was up here telling you you have to have a perfect home, <laughs> wrong. Alright? Well, what are we doing? I'll tell, tell you that story is this. What is modeled in your house now will become a reality for your children later. What you model for your children will be their reality when they have children. Amen. And if we don't stop it, why do generational curses happen? Because we don't because we don't get fed up enough with it to say enough is enough. Amen? Why, why, why does obesity run in families? Because we don't get tired enough of it to say enough is enough, and I'm going to teach my children something different. I'm going to teach them how to be healthy. I'm not only going to teach them how to be holy, I'm going to teach them how to be healthy. Why does depression run in our family? Because, because we allow it to happen. And we as a body of believers, man, we have got to take a stand and say enough is enough is enough. My children are not going to fight the same battles that I had to fight. My son is not going to battle anxiety when he stands behind the pulpit. Because we're going to kill that demon now. What in your family needs to die? So the next generation doesn't have to battle it. My God, I feel this.
this morning. Point number two, the spirit of the pretender makes you cover the tender areas of your life. Here's the story. Jacob, Isaac tells Esau, go get me some wild game. I want some wild before I die. And I know you're, Esau was the hunter. He was the outdoorsman. He was the man with the rough hands who, you know, could go out and wrestle a bear and punch him in the three kind of like a King David type. Go in and wrestle him to the ground and, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the kind of guy Esau was. But Jacob was a homely man. Jacob was a man who, who, who loved his mother. You call, call him a mama's boy. That's what I call him. He's a mama's boy. And so he had soft hands because he didn't go out and do the things that his brother did. He was not, Esau was a hairy man. You know, he had, kind of like me. My daughter looked at me one day and said, Daddy, why are you so furry? <laughs> That's the like Esau. He had, he had, he was covered, but Jacob wasn't. You see, the thing, Rebecca overheard, the mother overheard the fact that Jacob said, go get me some wild game. And she said, yes, but I know your father so well. I'm going to make him his favorite. It's not going to be wild. It's not going to be exactly what he wants, but I'm going to make it to him, and then you're going to give it to him, Jacob. You're going to give it to him because I know you deserve that blessing and not your brother. Oh, how many times in our lives have we come and come to God and said, man, I'm coming to God. I'm coming because I deserve it. I deserve it, God. And then we get mad when we look at our brother and say, why are they so blessed? Why are they blessed? Why? When everything else happened, when they ran off, they didn't do everything that I did. They didn't stay. Oh, I don't know. Think, of the, think, about, think about the brother from the, product, from the story of the prodigal son when he came home. He said, but I stayed. How dare you welcome him back? How many times, friend, is that been your story? You don't look and see how everybody else has been blessed. You look and see. You, you look at yourself. Man, I don't know where I'm going. All right. Spirit of the pretender makes you cover your trans makes you cover your tender areas. Rebecca told Jacob, "Here's some goat hair. That'll make you like your brother." How many people put on a suit and tie on Sundays? That's not who they are. Because you gotta pretend. You gotta play the part. I gotta get my church clothes on. Tie grew up. Had church clothes. Come on. This is clothes you didn't wear any, any, any of the rest of the days of the week, but you had church clothes. Sorry, it's getting warm in here. Talk about the air conditioning. Yeah. You had church clothes. Because I had to be somebody who I wasn't. Amen? Transparency is the greatest tool you have at your disposal to deal with the issues of your life. But so often we want to come to God, we want to come to church and say we've got it all figured out. We've got it all together. Anybody else have that problem or is that just me? Because you're the pastor, you got to have it all figured out. I'm 32 years old, I don't know how figured out. James 5.16 says this, it says, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. You see, Jacob decided that he had to cover up who he really was. 
so that he could get approval from his father. Who he was. He had to cover up who he was. But the Bible tells us in James, no, I don't want you to, I don't want you to cover up yourself. I want you to come to me just as you are. Imperfect in all your ways. That's what the Bible tells us. But you see, the spirit of the pretender in our lives makes us think that before we can ever come to God, we've got to have it all figured out. If I get myself right, if I can ever get that issue dealt with, then God will accept me. That's not how it works. That's not how God works. Because anytime we have these issues in life, we've got to remember that it's God who has the power to change you, not you. Because if you could change yourself, you would have changed yourself already. If you could do it, you would. If you could change yourself to make yourself right enough with God that he would accept you into heaven, then Jesus' death on the cross was vicious, cruel, and unnecessary. And you could then say that he was not merciful. When you come to Jesus, when you come to the Father, this is the picture here, that we come to the Father and we've got to cover up our, we've got to cover up our tender spots. We've got to cover up the spots where, where we feel like somebody might stab us in the back. We've got to cover it up when everything else feels away. And that's what the pretender wants you to do. They want you to say, I don't want to get real. Because if you go into that church knowing the sinner that you were, knowing who you were as a as a sinner, as a person outside of God, knowing how many people how many people did I sleep with before I got married? How many? And I knew better. I knew better. How many times did I go to the bar when I knew better? Not, not that I didn't know better. I was raised in church. When I knew better. How many times? When I knew better. Did I still fall off the wagon? How many times? When I knew better. When I knew it was wrong. How many times did I say, but I've got to have my stuff together to come into the church. Or I've got to have my stuff together to come to God. I may have sinned. I may have done it. And I know it's wrong. But I've got to... I, Myself. I've got to, I can't go to God in prayer right now. I can't go to God and deal with it. Because if I because because he's not going to accept me for who I am. He's not going to, but see, that's the lie of the enemy right there. The lie says that you are not good enough. The lie says that it doesn't matter what you can do. It, the lie says I, if you can get yourself right with God, if I can get myself cleaned up just enough, then my father will accept me for who I am. Friend, the truth is God accepts you as you are right now. You don't have to pretend. Jacob, be Jacob. Because my God is big enough to bless both the sons. I don't have to look at my brother and speak jealous for what God's given him. I get to look at my dad and say, if you did it for him, then my God, you will do it for me. Oh, come on, somebody. Let, 
But it's not until you confront it. It's in the confrontation. It's that when God exposes it, do you deal with it or do you run and hide from it? When God exposes it, do you run from it or do you confront it? The pretender says that if you show any weakness, that people are then going to use that weakness to beat you into the ground. But what God intended is that we get transparent with each other. And instead of gossip about people's issues, we pray for them and we lift them up. See, this is what the Catholic Church took and converted. This is what the Catholic Church came in and said, you come to the priest and then the priest will tell you you can be forgiven. No, what the Bible intended is for you to come into your church family into a place of governmental authority, the ecclesia, the governing body of God, and you say, I can't get rid of my alcoholism. I can't get rid of my lust issue. I can't get rid of it. And I'm tired of dealing with it. I don't want my kids to deal with depression. I don't want my kids to deal with anxiety. I don't want my kids to, to, to have a wandering season. When they get out of high school like I did. I don't want my kids to have to deal with that. And we come in and we say, Miss Sadie, will you, I'm struggling. Will you pray for me? And then we get real. And God confronts the issue. God confronts the issue of the pretending spirit. Confronts the issue. He confronts, it's not an issue, friend. He confronts the sin. He confronts the compromise. But the spirit of the pretender will tell you that you will be judged, you're not good enough, and you never will be good enough. The lie of the enemy is that you must not share because no one will understand. However, the fact of the matter is that inside of this church, there is probably someone who has been through what you have been through. They have walked where you have walked, and they can show you the path. Oh my God, somebody start celebrating about that. That's why the Bible tells us that we are to confess those sins. Confess those things that you are struggling to someone in confidence. When these areas of your life are confronted, then God is able to bring freedom. Now i got to put this in there. Don't go running your mouth to anybody. To just anybody. Alright? Make sure there is somebody that you can trust. But I'm telling you this, you can trust me. I won't run your business into the ground. Because I've had people in confidence and I've ran me into the ground. Don't put it all out on social media what you're struggling with. But bring it to the family. Bring it to God. Point number three. The spirit of the pretender makes you that your father does not have enough for everyone. When we look at Isaac, he was not able to bless both of his sons. Genesis chapter 27, verse 33. This is right after he recognized that he blessed the wrong son. He said, Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. 
Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came in, and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry to his father, Bless me too, father! But he replied, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. So he said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and look now, he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you saved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered Esau, Look, I have made him a master over you and given him all of his relatives as servants and have sustained him with grain and new wine. What then can I do for you? This was Isaac's response. He said, I don't have enough to bless both of my sons. I don't have enough. I gave him the best of everything. Is that how we look at God? God has and doesn't have enough for you and me. See, that's not God. <coughs> See, this is this is a picture of God, but this is not. Isaac is not God. Okay? In our lives, our God has enough for each and every one of us. So when we bring our stuff to we know that he's going to bless us because he has more than enough. It says the old church used to say he's got the, <laughs> he's got he owns the cattle on the top of the on the hill and the gold underneath. Well, the taters underneath. Depending on the land. We look at Isaac and we see that we look and see that Isaac was not able to bless both his sons. He had only one blessing to give, and that is part of the reason I believe there was so much contention between the brothers. They were always trying to outdo one another. Have you ever felt like if I can just get one area right with God, then God will bless me? Have you ever felt like you had to cover the parts of you that made you who you are so that you could be blessed? If I could be like all the preachers on TV, then God will bless my ministry. God wants you to come as you are. Hebrews 4.16 says that through the death of Jesus Christ, it says, let us then approach God's throne with, of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. May I come? Let us then approach the throne of God with grace and with confidence through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus work on the cross allowed you to be able to come to the Father and say, listen, I've got all these areas, and they are all messed up. Go ahead and start playing that song. They are all messed up. And God looks at you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and says, I don't know what you're talking about. I may look at myself and see a drunk, a gambler, a drunk, a prostitute, a person who struggles with anger. That's who I may look at myself and see. Who does God see? God sees Jesus. And Jesus, God looks at you. He sees his son. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Jesus. The Bible says that we are joint heirs. What does a joint heir have? Joint heirs have the same legal right. 
they still are called royalty. So friends, stand with me this morning. And I want you to, it's the reckless love of God that deals with the pretender on the inside of us. If this message spoke to you this morning, prayer team, come forward. If this message spoke to you this morning, and you, and you say, Pastor, you don't know my story. Pastor, you don't know. I say, I don't need to know. I don't care what your story is. I mean, I do care what your story is. I care about you. But it ain't bad enough. It's not so bad that God will not help you. That God will not deal with you. So if that is you, if this word spoke to you, and you say, Pastor, I've got a pretender on the inside of me. I don't know how to get real. I don't know how to make this thing right. And I don't, listen, I don't care what your position is in the church. I don't care if you've been on the stage, been on staff. I don't care who you are. If you say you need to get it right with God, let's get it right with God. Let's throw it all out there this morning and say, you know what? I'm tired of living a lie. I'm tired of living like a hypocrite. I'm tired of living one way in church and another way outside. Oh, come on. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment this morning, church. Don't miss your moment to say, you know what? It's time to get it right. God, I thank you. Go ahead and start leaving that. God, I just thank you right now, God, for what you're doing. God, I just declare right now, Father God, that you are stripping the pretender out of us, God. I pray right now, God, that you are stripping the pretender out of us this morning, Father God. I declare, Father God, that you are healing those wounds. God, I pray that you are healing that stuff on the inside of us as we get it right, Father God, as we come in and we say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, heal the pretender on the inside of me. Oh, come on, church. Don't miss it. Don't miss your moment. God is doing something in these altars this morning. Don't miss your moment with God. Don't miss your moment. God wants to break it off of you. God wants to heal you. God wants to take care of the trauma from your past. God wants to deal with it. But we've got Will you take the faith? Will you have the faith to say, you know what? God, I don't know if you're pastor, I don't know. But you know what? It's the people who take the step that always got the healing. It was the, it was the blind Bartimaeus who said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he didn't care what anybody thought. 